Chelsea. And this is Andrew. Welcome to Hugging and Learning, a podcast where we look back at very special episodes from the past to see what they have to teach us today. Today we are going to watch an episode of Full House, Season 8, Episode 10. The title is Under the Influence. It was written by Adam I. Lapidus, and it originally aired on December 6th, 1994. You can watch all of Full House, the original run of the show, on Hulu. And if you're Chelsea, you have run all of, watched all of Full House. At least twice. At it's least. a weird thing. Uh, this just missed me. That's the only thing. Mm. This this show just missed me. I We've done this it. show before. I mean, if you are not aware of it, you know, uh, I hope you lived under a particularly comfortable rock. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the show uh, ran for eight seasons, 193 episodes from 1987 to 1995. And the reboot, Fuller House, is currently in its third or fourth season on Netflix. It's That reboot's been around for a while now, too. Yes, and the show's in the news for other reasons these days, but we'll get to that. Yeah. First things got down. First, let's eat a snack. Chelsea, you picked out this snack. Why don't you tell us all about it? I'm very excited about this. I'm also very excited that you didn't also buy it because you said you we, held it in your hand really and close. almost bought it. We almost bought the same snack. Hazelnut spread M&Ms, which they have to say for copyright reasons, but these are basically Nutella M&Ms. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, real, real, real excited to try these out. So, yeah, that's, yeah. But, uh, we, guys, we don't What is there more to say. to say? Yeah. Fucking. Let's do it. Hey, back off, people. We got to eat something. That's the sound of them going into a bowl. And here's and the sound of them going into my gullet. Yeah, okay. That was the thing. I'm having some trouble forming a real strong opinion either way. I mean, M&M's are always good. Yeah. When you want to eat about a hundred of something. No problem. These taste like a little bit like tiny Ferrero Rochers. Yeah. It took me like four of them. Mm-hmm. I like ate four of them before my, my mouth identified any of the actual flavors mm-hmm. beyond regular M&M candy chocolate. Yep. And uh, yeah, it's kind of just okay. Yeah. Um, these have not displaced my number one ultimate M&M flavor, which is coffee nut, or my number two, which is peanut butter. Mm, almond and pretzel. But fine. I mean, not gross at all. I mean, they're just, I don't know, there's a thousand M&M flavors now. I wouldn't bump this one to the top of my list. I wouldn't kick this out of bed for being an M&M. No, me either, I guess. Except I hate eating in bed. It's one of my complete pet peeves. Let's talk about a goddamn episode of television. Yay! So, we're back in the Full House-averse. <laughs> yes. Just in case you don't know, the premise of the show is that widower Danny Tanner is raising his three daughters with the help of his comedic best friend Joey and rock and roll brother-in-law Jesse. Rock and roll brother-in-law. By season <laughs> by season eight, Jesse is also married to Aunt Becky, and they have twin toddlers. They all live in this same Victorian house in San Francisco. The daughters at this point... Our DJ is about 17, Stephanie's about 13, and Michelle is seven-ish. Mm. And Kimmy Gibbler, DJ's next-door neighbor and best friend since the first season. 
figures prominently in this episode, and I have so much to say about Kimmy Gibbler. I'm I do, too. so glad that we're doing this episode. For sure. So we start off in the Tanner kitchen. Yeah, the family's gathered for dinner. What could be more ordinary world than this? And man, Full House introduces its subplots with, like, surgical precision. <laughs> yeah. So we're in 1994, which uh, I'm referring to this as the Joey has a mullet era mm. of Full House. I really feel like that's not specific enough. <laughs> They start out with the sea story, gets rolling, and the sea story is this. Joey don't cook so good. Yeah, that's the whole sea story, and that's going to... Every time we see Joey this whole episode, it will be driven home that he is terrible at cooking. So they're like, oh, Jesse comes down, he's like, oh, Joey, I bet you made meatloaf. And he's like, no, I made meat muffins. Which is weird, but guess what? It's just fucking meatloaf and muffin Also form. have definitely seen those for sale in New York. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, maybe don't turn down food, you bougie fucks. Yeah. Everyone's like, ugh, gross. They Meat decide muffins. To, they decide to order Chinese food. Yep. Then Michelle is com- comes in. Young Michelle, age seven-ish. Yeah, but old enough that she makes me feel like older than Dirt's grandfather. (laughs) She comes in accompanied by two extras from Village of the Damned, (laughs) which is a reference that makes me feel older than Dirt's grandfather. Oh my God. These are the twins. These are Uncle Jesse and and Aunt Becky's twins, and they won't leave her alone. They're following her around. I get it, man. These kids... Freak me out. They're creepy as hell, man. Well, the thing is that they're they're little blonde, blue-eyed twins, and the show's creators love to make them talk in unison. Yeah. That is what's creepy. Yeah. If they just let them speak individually, the creep factor would go down by a factor of 10. And their hair is like a bowl cut, yeah. but party in the back still somehow. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a bullet. <laughs> they're cool 90s toddlers. Yeah. Uh, oof, they freak me out. So... They're following Michelle around because they like her, but Michelle is fed up. That's our B story. Mm-hmm. Aunt Becky, currently on trial for conspiracy <laughs> to get, commit money laundering. Pled says, not guilty. The only the only one to plead not guilty in the yeah, whole yeah, thing. I'm sure it's going to work out great. Uh, she says dinner will be late because of the Pillsbury Meat Boy, which is a weird thing that happens in sitcoms where somebody says something that the other person could not possibly understand. Like Michelle was out. In the hallway. And also as a child and may not understand that Joey tried to make muffins, which are normally made of dough. And Michelle should be like, what the fuck did you say to me? (laughs) What the fuck did you say to me, woman? Did you call me what? Meat boy? (laughs) Fucking call me a Pillsbury and I will stab you. But that scene gets cut out. Um, So Michelle is, uh, she, she tells the kids that she wants to play hide and seek. The kids run out, and she's like, I'm going to count to a million. Yeah. And then she turns to middle sister, Stephanie, and she's like, God, do you know what it's like to have little kids follow you around all day? And Stephanie goes, where do you think you learned that count to a million trick? Boom. First things first, Stephanie's wearing a wedding ring. Fight me. (laughs) (laughs) She's wearing a fucking wedding ring, and it's weird. You can wear something on that finger if you're not married. No, I'm sorry. All right. Not in the 90s, you couldn't. Uh, and now Michelle is old enough to get sassed by the family. Yeah. Oh, the onward slog re- of time. <laughs> she's reached the age where her feelings are not too young to be hurt. Nope. Uh, yeah. But don't worry, they're saving most of that for Kimmy Gibbler. Oh, uh, always. So Kimmy Gibbler shows up. Wait, uh, no, wait, wait, wait. We have to talk about these titles. Oh, 
Okay. The, I feel like because we did the show before. Yeah, but now the titles are different. It's true. These opening titles have been truncated just to the chorus, and I wonder if if, if Generations knew what happened to predictability. To say nothing, <laughs> to say nothing of Paperboy's Milkman or Evening TVs. Yeah, it's true. But I miss my old familiar friends <laughs> lurking in the credits of this show. <laughs> Just around the bend of the credits. <laughs> yeah. But at least we get one reassuring shoo-ba-da-ba-ba-bow <laughs> there at the end to tell us everything is going to be scatologically okay. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> Hold tight. Letting us know that everything is going to be just fine. Yep. Then we're into act one. Yeah. So Kimmy Gibbler shows up ready to head out to the gal's first frat party. She gets into a bit of a tiff with Stephanie, which is de rigueur for the show. She and Stephanie mm-hmm. have a longstanding beef, which actually gets carried over into Fuller House as well. And then she heads upstairs to find DJ, who is her best friend. They're gonna they're still in high school, but they have been invited to this frat party. Is this problematic? Seventeen year old high school girls go into a frat party? I did it. It feels weird. Does it make it unproblematic? Oh, yeah, you are a problematic person. Yeah, I'm super wild. (laughs) Your eyes are kind of wild right now. Uh, I just, something weirds me out about college guys inviting underage women to an event. It just, you know what, you know what you got, college guys? College girls. Yeah, but Maybe just I had, you just said in the smoking episode, you had older friends. I had older friends in high school, too. Yeah, but I had older dude friends who probably didn't want to have sex with me. I probably didn't want yeah. to. I mean, unless you've asked them all, At you least don't know that. 90 to 110% <laughs> of them did not want to have sex with me. I went to college parties when I was in high school, and I also dated college guys when I was in high school, and it was mm-hmm. all fine. Problematic. My parents were super strict, and I had a million lectures, and I also, like didn't drink and didn't do any, I mean, I went to those parties, but I was the total narc in the corner that like wasn't doing any of that stuff. I was always the DD, which was fine by me. I actually figured out that loophole when I was pretty young in high school. I was like, oh shit, everyone's always looking for a DD. That person gets to go to the parties. Mm -hmm. This will be my out. And I think I've mentioned my other trick of drinking water out of Zima bottles. Yeah, yeah. Which, oh, you shouldn't drink a whole bottle of rum. I don't a, need... No, no, no. What a fucking thinker. <laughs> I don't know what kids do now who don't want to drink if they don't have Zima, but... Um, <laughs> who knows? I don't know. I think they probably just vape. That's their answer to Oh, everything. God, of course they do. G- groping around in the gutter for a vape. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I, okay, well, I'm just going to settle this, this now so we don't have to talk about it. I think it's weird that high school girls are going to a college thing it's presented in a very saccharine, very sanitized kind of way. Uh, I don't think it's great, but whatever. Especially if you live in a college town like they do. Sure. I'm letting it I'm letting it go. Yeah. Okay. So this is the call to adventure. Kimmy is up in DJ's room and she's pacing and she's like, I'm so nervous about this party. These are college guys. <laughs> and DJ says, let's just relax and have fun. Yes. That's the call to adventure. Our very first frat party. We're so nervous, especially Kimmy. But we're just going to try to relax and have fun. Meanwhile, downstairs, Joey and Danny are reminiscing about their frat party days uh, and how they were a blast, especially when those high school girls showed up. And then they very proudly talk about how they lied to those girls to impress them. And then uh, Stephanie says, you lied to girls about impressing 
to impress them, and they say, we're not proud of this. Yeah, after they, <laughs> they were brag about it. They were super proud about yeah, it. Yeah, and they don't add the the end result of bragging to girls. Yeah. It's like, we just bragged to them so they would be impressed by us, and it's like, that's not the end of that and then, equation. Yeah, and then Danny suddenly, because it now applies to his family and daughter, he grows some empathy and runs to talk to TJ. Right, but instead, instead of actually making any sense when he goes up there to advise her in our very, very short meeting with the mentor section... He has admitted that he told girls when he was in college that he created the love boat to yeah. impress them. While Joey said he was the fourth man on the moon. Right. So so these girls were also blind is the thing. Yeah. It's, it's a shame. Blinded so, by Joey's, you know. Mullet. Preto mullet. <laughs> so Danny runs upstairs to find DJ in her room and he says, no matter what anyone tells you tonight, the man who created the love boat will not be there. And she's like cool that's a bit of nonsense but thanks for sharing i guess yeah it's it's weird you would uh you would think that uh you might I, again i just it's but weird this and- is prime lecture time like danny tanner loves a freaking mm-hmm. lecture this is a very special episode it is this is a great time for him to be like hey just have fun you know like but remember that these are people that are a little older than you and that they may want you to do things that you're not comfortable with and it's okay to say no just any of that absolutely would have been great and in case you're wondering wilford lloyd baums <laughs> created the love boat uh he also did other tv shows like alexander the other side of dawn uh-huh. and that's pretty much it he's sitting so, on that love boat money he didn't need to do gonna, anything if after you that fuck a guy for creating the love boat you make sure it's wilford lloyd baums or wilford brimley because i feel like they're interchangeable to fuck, if you get a chance to fuck wilford <laughs> Brimley, you can grab onto that mustache and you go for the ride. So now we're in act two of the hero's journey, the special world. We don't go to the frat party yet because we're going to get there. We're actually going to go there twice later. Mm-hmm. So the next thing we see is downstairs, Joey playing hungry, hungry hippos and losing not only to Michelle, but also Comet the dog. Comet the dog doing the best dog acting we've seen since Brandon on Punky. true. It might, might be Brandon, just in disguise. Brandon Lovell, yeah, for sure. He's uh, playing Hungry Hungry Hippos with his paw. Yeah, even Comet, uh, Michelle's wins this horrible, horrible game. I love <laughs> Hungry Hungry Hippos. I've written down two other things you could have called it. Mommy's got a headache now, the game. <laughs> or this isn't as fun as we remember. Why did we buy this? The game. Yep. I I played that version of it in college. And then we realized it's more fun if you play with M&Ms or Skittles or oh, something. And fuck. then you get to eat whatever your hippos catch. You know what? You know what else just is cool? The steaks. Just buying a bag of abs and just eating them <laughs> by yourself in the dark. So I own a, I own a copy of Hungry Hungry Hippos that I bought yeah. for a sketch mm-hmm. about a low grade James Bond villain who challenges James Bond to a game of Hungry Hungry Hippos saying, I think you'll find my hippos are very hungry. Hungry. You should bust out some M&Ms next time you have a game night. Oh, do you think for the James Bond sketch? (laughs) I'll play with M&Ms, Mr. Bond. It is more fun and delicious. So, yeah, Michelle's winning, and even Comet is better at the game than Joey, which should be a wake-up call for Joey, but it is not. He accuses Comet of cheating. Yes, yeah, so then the child's play twins come downstairs <laughs> to play with Michelle, but the same girl who was enthusiastically playing Hungry Hungry Hippos, the most annoying toy in the world, is annoyed with them. Well, she doesn't want to play with them. She's like, I've been playing with you all day, which this is so real if you have younger siblings that live in the same house with you and they just want to play with you 
all day long and you're like, if you're me, you're like, I want to go read a book. You know, like, I just want to get away from you. And they label her as mean and then they start chanting, we hate Michelle and she feels bad, but I'm like, hold those boundaries, girl. You're not their servant. Hey, Michelle, mission accomplished. Yeah, right? You (laughs) You wanted them to leave you alone, now they're leaving you alone. It would have been a great moment for, I don't know, any of the adults, the adult Jesse or the technically an adult Joey to be like, hey guys, Hey, tiny omen children. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people just want to want their space or they want to be alone. They yeah. Nip this in the bud. But instead they're like, well, what are you going to do? She's not your babysitter. Yeah. Like y- she's too young and also you're not paying her. So if your kids are, will not leave her alone, you as the parent need to step in and be like, hey, give her some space. We all live in this very full house. Instead, oh boy. Uh, instead Jesse uh, says that they're kids and they'll forget about this in a moment. But then right. he opens the kitchen door and these two rosemary babies are chanting, we hate Michelle in the other room. Yeah, this this is a moment for you to correct them because she didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. She actually wasn't mean by just being like, I don't want to play with you guys. So they, they ruined her Hungry Hungry Hippos game. Yeah. You're welcome, 90% of this house. Yeah, she gets mad because they knocked it off. Then it's like, that. It's all. it's just one huge hunk of plastic and a bunch of little critter balls. You'll get yeah, them. Don't worry fine. about it. Or never play it again. <laughs> right. Later that night, DJ and Kimmy come back from the frat party. Kimmy is wasted and yelling, being carried fireman style over her shoulder by DJ. Kimmy's drunken acting and the faces that she makes are incredibly similar to Jared Leto's The Joker. It's weird. If you have time and you don't, go and compare those two scenes. It's real creepy, especially her weird smile. Anyway, Stephanie comes in and uh, she's like, I read about this in health class to to Kimmy's behavior and notes a lack of balance and coordination and diagnoses drunk Kimmy as the victim of tainted pork. (laughs) She's like, she's eating tainted pork. Which is my favorite 80s song. (laughs) But DJ corrects her and says, no, Kimmy's drunk. Stephanie's like, all right, we got to go tell dad. And DJ says that if we do that, Kimmy will never be allowed back in the house. And we know, as astute watchers of this show, the men of this family already hate Kimmy. They rag on her all the time. We'll talk about this more later. But Kimmy is the annoying neighbor that no one ever wants. There's a strong implication that her parents don't want her at their home. And that's why she's always at the Tanner home. DJ's like, don't tell dad because then he'll he'll have a reason to never let Kimmy come over again. So then Danny himself comes in. She, DJ has hidden Kimmy under the covers to try to keep her from embarrassing them both. And Danny comes in and DJ is like, oh, yeah, Kimmy had a fight with her parents and she's going to be sleeping over. And, and uh, so, uh, yeah, good night, Dad. I need to go to sleep. It's super suspicious. This is not grade A level lying. And it was almost a concern. And then I remembered that Danny's lying competence is I'm the creator of the love boat. Yeah. So this is not a fair fight. <laughs> He's like, okay, whatever you said, I guess it's true. Also, DJ never does anything wrong. Yeah. That's None of thing. them do. It's kind of sickly where it's like, I guess whatever you say is the thing right. that's happening. This is, you've, you've never lied to me about anything other than who ate the last cookie before. So I guess. Boy, did we have a talk about yeah, that. Yeah, seriously. The, the violins swelled. It was a whole thing. There's a pan flute for fuck's sake. I'll pan flute. <laughs> so. The pan flute of parental competence. <laughs> so DJ tries to get Kimmy to go to sleep, but Kimmy is a somewhat annoyed drunk. She's not like a mean drunk. She's just like, she doesn't want to be bossed around. She doesn't want to be bossed around. And DJ's like, I'm trying to be a good friend, but you're making it really hard right now. And Kimmy goes, all right, cool. I'm going to make it easy. I'm going to leave. And DJ also reveals that Kimmy got them kicked out of the party. And I wrote, 
fuck, how drunk were you? It's a yeah. frat party. You That's got true. kicked out. So we'll see later. But Can Kimmy's you- like, all right, I'm out of here. She stands up and tries to leave, and she passes out in DJ's arms. And this is this is a weird moment that they, they kept in. I feel like they could have fixed this. There is some real, because the end of the act, and there's some real, we should be concerned about this music, that the audience laughs right mm-hmm. through. Like, because somebody fell over. Yeah. Bah, bah, bah. Yeah, I mean, there's not an indication here that anything, like, she's not so drunk that it seems like she, her health is in peril or anything, yeah. but she did just black out, pass out, you yeah. know? There's going to be a lot of problematic approaches to what we're supposed to be learning from this, yeah. but, like... We don't, there's just no time in this episode. Mm-hmm. We have to talk about Joey and Michelle's problem. Those well, this are, is the thing is like we've established with Full House and with Saved by the Bell. Yeah. We will have three plots. It does not matter how yeah. very special the very special section, the A plot is. We will have three plots. We will check in with all of them three times. Yeah. And that will take as long as it takes. I think by the, by the time we get to this episode and, and Jesus Christ, the eighth season, I think that they've they've just sort of decided, well, look, we do have a main plot where we need to learn a lesson, but if we cut down on the time we devote to that lesson, there's more time for cuteness. Yay. And that's what they I think that's what they do. Because the I'm saying like there's B and C plot, but Michelle's plot gets way more attention yeah. than than this well, drinking yeah. thing. We've talked before in this show about when the youngest kid starts to age and they mm-hmm. bring in younger kids. Cousin Oliver syndrome. They did not waste any that Michelle has not Michelle is still firmly in like the cute phase where they would have started a kid yeah. in another sitcom and they they've already got these twins coming Two up behind them. her. They're yeah. just like, We can't possibly we can't drop this baton for even a second. The cute factory does not close for anyone. <laughs> so the next morning Michelle comes in to complain that the twins still hate her, and then she realizes that it's actually Kimmy in the bed, and she's got a raging hangover, and and she's got bad breath, and it's a whole thing. Um, And as we've noted on this show before, kids, there's no cure for a hangover except cheeseburgers and time. When you're a teenager, you don't get adult-sized hangovers. How about that? Like, you just don't. I didn't get a hangover until my 20s at all, period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you just, like... You just spring back up the next morning. You're like, whoo, I need a cup of coffee. No, now I'm great because I'm 18. Yeah, and especially because it's noted a moment later that she threw up a ton. Yeah. She's fine. She's fine. Yeah. She's milking it. Um, (laughs) That's what it is. Oh, Kimmy, you compulsive drunken liar. (laughs) You compulsive hangover faker. Um, (laughs) Oh, CHF? CHF. DJ enters. We have some more solid hangover material. Kimmy says that DJ ruined her night last night. Yeah. Uh, Kimmy thinks that she was the life of the party. She says the party was just getting hot. Yeah. And then we have a a Kimmy POV flashback. Yes. And DJ seems pissy. I mean, DJ comes in acting all pissy. Yeah. She's like, you spent the night throwing up. I held your hair. I covered for you. And then Kimmy's like, you ruined the best night of my life. They have very different recollections. I'm going to say, if I had to carry you up steps... You owe me, you owe me fucking money. I don't like carrying myself up steps. Carry your body. Fuck that. So we see a flashback, as you said, to Kimmy's memory of the party, which is Kimmy as the bell of the ball and DJ on quote reject row, sitting mm-hmm. between two very stereotypical '90s nerds. Yeah, who will probably go on to have very successful careers selling our personal information to corporations. Right. After they get on the bus to go back to Bayside, which is where they're enrolled. Oh, boy. So we know that we know already going into this that this can't be the way it really happened because not just because Kimmy was so drunk and we saw her drunk, but because we're supposed to all know that Kimmy is a loser and annoying. And the only 
reason she got to go to this party was because of DJ. Sure. We know already when Kimmy's showing how great it was and everyone loved her and she was, all the boys were hitting on her and she, she was, was asked to recite a poem. She was beset with hunks. We know that this can't actually be the way that it happened. And and DJ's a beast who's jealous of Kimmy's aplomb. Uh, Frat Magoo says, she's, she offers, <laughs> she offers, she tells Kimmy that they're leaving and Frat Magoo uh, says, um, and Frat Magoo says, this party will die without her grace and charm, to which GJ says, then let it die. Yeah. DJ <laughs> insists she saves Kimmy, and they break up. They go from BFF, best friends forever, to BFF, bitter fucking foes. <laughs> so DJ's like, uh, counterpoint, none of that is accurate. You got kicked out of the party. Yeah. Kimmy's like, nuh-uh. You made me leave because you were jealous. You couldn't stand to see me having this fun. This is ridiculous. I I don't know about anybody else, but every time I've gotten drunk and somebody's like, hey, you were weird, I, I'm just immediately like, what's the worst? What did I <laughs> yeah, do? Yeah, yeah. Checks I out. Must what have did done I do? The very worst thing ever. Yeah. I don't think in my whole life anyone has ever told me I did something when I was drunk and for nefarious reasons, lied to me. No one has ever Malore Harden at the ground zeroed me and been like, you killed your boyfriend with an ice pick. Don't you remember, Kimmy? <laughs> Do you remember the mosh pit when you stabbed that frat boy? You stabbed checks him in the out, skull. yes, checks out, yes. Quincy um, ME, 100-year-old <laughs> medical examiner, is on his way right now. He came all the way from LA to San Francisco. Uh, next stop, nowhere. Uh, so then Next stop, frat house. <laughs> next stop, Tanner Kitchen. <laughs> okay, remember that Joey sucks at cooking? Well, yeah, we got to check in on that. We got to check in. So Stephanie comes down and says, it doesn't smell like French toast, which, slow down there, princess. <laughs> right. <laughs> Joey's in charge of breakfast. We put the guy who fucked up dinner last night yeah. in charge of breakfast Whoops. this morning. That's a real quick turnaround time. Yeah, and maybe uh, maybe it's cool if he tries to tackle some eggs or something like right, that. Right. You know, do French toast. Sandwich, breakfast sandwiches. Anything. Fucking cereal. Yeah, anything. Uh, but no, he's created a new, a whole new breakfast delight. He's like, I know people love fish and people love pastries, so I made flounder tarts. And I'm <sighs> like, I'm like, actually... That sounds fine. You know, like if it's like a fish cooked in with, puff pastry sure. is a fine thing. It's a delight. But we clearly see there's some sort of pink frosting on this and he's calling them flounder tarts. And he made he made them able to go into the toaster, which is that is an enormous amount of effort. There like, is that. That's you didn't just bake them in the oven. They're toaster ready. Yeah, but at the end of the day, they are a toaster pastry that seems to be filled with a uh, thick slurry of some kind. <laughs> yes. He did not take the bones out, we find out later. He holds up a whole fucking fish that he's just put in a blender and like, <laughs> I guess this is how anything works. Uh-oh, I'm on fire. I think, I guess this is how anything works is like the theme of every problem-solving situation on Full House. I guess so. But it really starts from a place of... I just came here from the Paleolithic era. era. <laughs> How do I do anything? So, Michelle. Also, doesn't this feel like a season one C plot to you? Joey, who's lived on his own, a stand up comic who's been on the road, he does never learn to cook. Season yeah. one, he's trying to make food. This is season eight. He's been pseudo dadding mm -hmm. for so long now. He should have learned by this point. Or they should have been like, Joey doesn't cook. Joey does dishes. Chelsea, I don't like your tone. Are you suggesting that the writers have done something lazy? 
Yeah, I'm pretty much calling that out. I quit this podcast. <laughs> I will not have the full house writers besmirch. <laughs> well, this is Andy, and uh, I'm glad to be here back. Uh, dorkier, dorkier somehow. <laughs> ruff, ruff, ruff. Sound like you have a beard. Come on. Uh, Sound like you have a beard. Hello. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> That's a monocle. That's a monocle right. accent. Miles, thank you for coming in. We're seeing a <laughs> lot of people. We're seeing a lot of people today, uh, you know, and uh, that was really well, amazing. I've got, a, I've got a Shakespeare I can oh, do I for you, too. No, enough. we know we, we're we good. Got it. Great. Well, I'll touch base with you next week then. Well, we'll call you. We'll okay, call you. great. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll talk to you soon then. Yep. Bye. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Bring snacks. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So. Okay. Uh, yes. So Jessie. we've checked in on Joey not knowing how to cook, and now we have to check in on Michelle and the twins situation. Yeah. She answers with Jesse, and she's still upset that the hell babies are upset with her. Yeah. And she's like, you have to intercede on my behalf. Ask them to forgive me. And this just feels gross to me because I'm like, she didn't do anything wrong. And what you need to tell your twins is that people have boundaries. How about it? Instead, she's taken this all on herself and is like, please get them to love me again. And you think she'd been enjo- be enjoying her newfound freedom. But yeah, they'll probably get over it someday. They're babies. They're going to forget in 48 hours. Enjoy your break, Michelle. Right? Um, so then the twins come in. Oh, wait. Jesse has to eat a flounder tart. Right. Jesse. Oh, God. After trying to find places to spit up, it, he goes to the sink. In a kitchen. In a kitchen. He goes to the sink and then picks up Joey's oven mitt, spits in it, spits up every bit of that slurry, and then slips it back on Joey's back hand. Back on Joey's hand. Which is a baller move, because fuck you, Joey. <laughs> what are you trying to do? <laughs> fuck you. So then Aunt Becky brings the twins in. And Jesse is prepared to lecture them on how forgiveness works by being shitty to Joey and then asking for his forgiveness. And then Joey gets to be shitty to Jesse and get mm. forgiven. And they go back and forth and do this a couple times. It Me, evolves wow. into like dumping things on people's heads and flounder slurry going everywhere. And the kids do not understand or care what any of this is. And there's a lovely bit of irony that happens where Aunt Becky comes in with the kids and says... Why don't we let the kids work this out for themselves? Yeah, and I was know. like, why couldn't you have applied that logic to letting your horrible kids get into college? Also, she is wearing, she makes an I Dream of Genie joke. Awesome. And then when when Jesse's like, I'll take care of this, she scuttles across the room in her full-length form-fitting hoodie robe. Yeah. She looks like a female Jedi attending the Oscars. That is the most 90s thing. I had one of those. Yeah. A full-length hoodie dress and looks really comfortable I'll yeah be honest with it's that. like a sleeping bag jesse joey angry at each other and then joey threatens to stick an egg beater up jesse's ass yeah the, and becky has to get between them and that's a real moment that happens which i'm sure i saw as a kid and like did not understand that the that was like a sodomizing joke eats it up like a, a bunch of jackals like so many flounder tarts <laughs> so many floundered the humor on this show can be described as flounder tart <laughs> Uh, they don't know what, so it turns out the kids don't know what forgiveness means. And I'm like, well, maybe Aunt Becky can Photoshop the picture of them onto somebody who knows what forgiveness means and it's all fixed. Yeah. Or someone who, and then they can get forgiven their way onto the crew team. Yeah. Um, so Michelle then explains what forgiveness means, what the word means. And the kids are like, oh yeah, we understand that. Yeah. We forgive you. Yeah. And that's all done. And Aunt Becky's all gloaty. Like I knew the kids could work them out for themselves. Yeah. And I was like, your seemingly insufferable daughters could have maybe worked out how to get into college for themselves. Yeah. Maybe don't do a victory dance just yet. Accused felon Aunt Becky. <laughs> right. So we go back to DJ's room. Yes. Now we're approaching the inmost cave. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> DJ's room. The inmost cave. The inmost cave. Danny comes up to tell DJ, hey, we're all going out to breakfast. And I'm like, this many people live in this house. You don't have cereal. You don't have backup plans. Dude, what is the deal with people just like, uh, breakfast didn't work out exactly like we wanted to. We have to go out to eat. Dinner isn't spot on. We have to go out to eat with 14 people. Yeah. Four of whom are kids. Listen, breakfast is a little a little gross today and there's cereal, but we can't do that. Let's, let's spend go take over a whole section. fucking dollars. Yeah. Let's go, in San Francisco, let's go take over a whole section of a restaurant. Absolutely. This is going to require seven cars. Hmm. Okay, so... Insufferable so, house is what they should be called. Right. <laughs> a poorly planned house. So poorly Danny comes house. up to tell DJ we're going out to breakfast and you can bring Kimmy. And DJ informs him that she and Kimmy have broken up, that she doesn't care about Kimmy anymore. Kimmy's dead to her. And then she rests. <laughs> she's like, because I don't want Kimmy over here anymore, then I'm just going to tell you also Kimmy was super drunk last night. Yeah. And Danny, who hates Kimmy Gibbler. Yeah. Well, first of all, his approach to this is downright sedated. He's like, yeah, but but then he, he launches into like defending Kimmy, which makes no sense. It makes no sense. He's like, Kimmy is an annoying, obnoxious nuisance, but she's still your best friend. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay... Sure. And then he says, DJ's like, whatever, I don't want to hang out with her anymore. And Danny goes, you might be the kind of person she needs right now. And then there are meaningful stares. Right. The point here seems to be Kimmy needs you because she's probably going to do this over and over again. And not if Kimmy keeps engaging in this behavior, she'll need a friend to uh, help her get away from this. Yeah. Or like, why do you think that? Why? Why do you think she felt like she needed us to do that? Yeah. How about the root of the problem? Yeah. Exactly. Not just how are we gonna how are we gonna keep enabling this woman to do it? <laughs> right. And also, he immediately asks her, "Were you drinking?" And she's like, "No." And he believes her because well, because she's DJ, and also she and doesn't he, have a raging hangover, which is how you can tell yeah, and he, when teenagers have been drinking. I think the person who created the love boat knows <laughs> when somebody's been drinking. Right. So DJ's like, "Oh, you're probably right. Like, uh, I shouldn't abandon my best friend just because she got drunk one time, which sure. is definitely." If all teenagers had to give up on their friends who got drunk one time, no teenagers would have friends. I watched an interview with the actress who plays uh, Andrea Barber. Andrea Barber. Where she was going over some of her favorite moments and outfits from the show. Mm -hmm. She makes this point. She's laughing through it, but it's really kind of a sad point. She's like... I wore so many weird things on the show. I wasn't, my character wasn't afraid to express herself. And I got a lot of people who came up to me and they were like, thank you for being weird. You taught me it was okay to be weird. Mm -hmm. It was okay to be myself. It was okay to express myself in whatever way I wanted to. And in the next breath, she mentions, sure, everybody hated Kimmy. Yeah. That's that's so incredibly problematic when you put those two facts side by side. It was somebody who was different, uh, enthusiastic about things, sure. Needed a place to go, mm-hmm. I guess. Exactly. If, the, if, the, yes. if that's the, the no, plot. we're constantly saying her parents don't want her around. Absolutely, and if that's a joke, hilarious. I mean, she needs a structure in her life and deserves to have friends and people who respect her. And what other world? Andrea Barber herself, she has kids, and she's like, I would never talk to any child like they talk to Kimmy. Yeah. And again, it's 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 kind of there's a chuckle to it, but it's it's also very solid. Yeah, like there's one thing about a sitcom where the family members sort of like bark at each other because eh, family members, what are you going to do? But like a complete separate person from another family, you bring her in and just constantly berate her about how awful she is. There are two really great think pieces that have been written about Kimmy Gibbler since Fuller House came came back 
or Fuller House came on the air, since Fuller House started airing. Yeah. There was one in Pure Wow and one on Bustle. And I'm so glad we're doing this episode so I can bring them up because I've been wanting to bring them up for a long time. Sure. The one from Pure Wow is called Kimmy Gibbler is not dead, but she does deserve a second look because there was an internet rumor. You know, every once in a while I'll be like, yeah, yeah, so-and-so's yeah. dead. There was like a Kimmy Gibbler is dead rumor on the internet. And the writer makes the point that of 193 episodes, Kimmy Gibbler shows up in 143. So she's a major, major presence. And even in season one, episode one, Kimmy's presence and comedic timing is working overtime compared with the Tanner's girls, Mm. whose cuteness is a crutch as they learn almost in real time as the show airs. Yeah. Of course, this isn't so much Kimmy as it is Andrea Barber. Barber is a pro from the get-go going head-to-head with stand-up comic Bob Sackett and soap star John Stamos in comedic bits that require her impeccable timing and clowning physicality to pull off. And she does an amazing job. Yeah. Kimmy sure. Gibbler, of course, was not created to ride in the convertible or play lawn games in Alamo Square Park. <laughs> She lives a writer's room existence, which is twofold. One, give DJ something to do. And two, be the butt of the joke so everybody in the Tanner family can learn lessons without looking bad. Which is a thousand percent what happens in this episode. Yeah. DJ doesn't get drunk at the party to learn the dangers of alcohol. Kimmy does. And the lesson here is tenuous at best and and resolved in a very... Yeah. Not great way. Um, In the context of today's social media bullying and body shaming, it's just like not as funny to watch grown men rip on a child as it probably was in 1995. Mm. Amid the cheesy life lessons, excessive adolescent blow-ups, random Beach Boys cameos, and built-in laugh factories, Kimmy Gibbler is a life force. She's unapologetically weird, original, and larger than life. She's Mary Shelley's monster, created to exist for her maker, but undeniably the most human thing on screen. Uh, And speaking of undeniable monster... Kimmy is is groaning in the backyard. Yeah. So Kimmy has not made it out of the backyard. No. She says she's pacing herself and that her goal is the fence before nightfall. Yes, which is pretty funny. It is. Uh, because she's got this massive hangover, right? You know, remember that? Yeah. So DJ finds her there and she's like, well, you need to hear what really happened at that party last night. So the first thing we see is we're, we're doing a DJ's Another point flashback. of view. Yep. She's sitting on the couch with two nice young men. And it, on the second viewing, I realized these are the nerds that have been dressed up yeah. nice. Yeah. Which is a nice touch, but uh, yeah, okay. Right. And she, she's basically like, I was doing awesome and you were blitzed and everyone hated you. She's <laughs> wearing a fucking beer helmet. Yeah. And she's stumbling around. She shuts off the music and everybody goes, oh, and then she gets up on the couch and makes everyone look at her and belches. And then... This Freddie Magoo comes over Freddy and is Magoo. like, you guys have to leave. We've already kicked out the guys who brought the beer. And yeah. I wrote, <laughs> sure. A frat gentleman says that the drunk girl has to go because drunk girls, they are the bitter enemy of the fraternity <laughs> right. boy. Not like, why don't you go and leave your drunk friend here? Which yeah. is exactly what would really happen. Yeah. Also, just kidding. We invited more people with booze over. Yeah, and they're like, if if with if they find out that we had beer here, we could lose our charter. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize we were at like Brigham Young University yeah, here. Yeah, if yeah, this yeah. is any other college on earth, yeah. you're not going to lose your charter you for having like, had beer at your party. You have to get her out of here, but first we have to pray for forgiveness, <laughs> right? To our God. So then, Kimmy and DJ fight over the keys. This is this should be a this should be a very poignant moment. Yes, this should be the entire lesson yes. right here. Important plot not. point. Yeah, it's it should be like she tried to drive drunk and I saved her. Important plot point, which 
some of us remember from the pilot, well, DJ's mother was killed by a drunk driver, which exactly. she brings up. Which she brings she up. She plays the dead mom card. Which hard is fucking fair, though. Like, if you got it and it applies, then play it. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying she just like slams it down like so many Yu Gi Oh trap cards. Yeah. <laughs> what? And Kimmy goes, Kimmy's like, oh shit, I forgot that plot point. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm too fucking hungover to remember the big fact about my best friend's life. Right. The inciting incident for this entire series. Oh. The fact that your mom was killed by a drunk yeah. driver. Uh, I guess I'll crumble internally real quick. <laughs> right. And Kimmy goes, I was just so nervous, which I actually like this because it wasn't like everyone too. else was drinking. Did it? She was like, I didn't know what to say to those guys. And I felt so out of place. And then I started drinking and I felt cool and i felt i sort of loosened up and i was like that's a real legit reason Mm. for drinking at a party and i'm glad that it was that and not like well everyone else was doing it or you know some guy offered it to me and he was cute and i wanted to impress him it was just like i felt uncomfortable and and weird in a new situation and dj goes everyone's nervous i was nervous you got to remember everyone's nervous and it's easier to handle that if you stay in control and don't get bummed off your ass it would be added the last part yeah it's no it's fair it would be great kimmy says that she started drinking because she's nervous around frat frat guys, which is where it should have ended. But as so often happens in these episodes, we go a little too far and (laughs) make it sound super cool. She says, after a couple drinks, I started to loosen up. Hey, kids, bonus number one. (laughs) Yeah, right. And then she says, and for the first time in my entire life, I felt cool. Yep. Which, if you said there was a thing that could have made me feel that way, I'd been like, where Where do I I sign up? Yep. Do I have to do I have to date frat guys to get this? Because yeah. I will. And um, we saw a version of reality where she was cool. We we now know she it was, was not correct. But And it's not it's not as cut and dry as DJ says, where it's like, I was nervous, but everybody's nervous, so don't be nervous. Thanks, DJ. I'm cured. <laughs> cool, DJ, cool story. Thanks for that. Wow, everything's better now. But then they become best friends again because you know Yeah. She's just like, okay, I'll try not to get us kicked out of the next frat party we go to, I guess. And they hug and it's the end of the episode. It's just fucking it. It's the end. That We just stop. It's like once you've played the, you tried to kill a person or yourself the way my mom was killed card. <laughs> you might we, as well have killed my mother card. <laughs> yeah. We don't have where, anywhere to go from there. It's true. You might as well just like hug it out and fucking ditch. Yeah. Run. You might as well take hug the and, case. That's the old hug and run. You got the old <laughs> hug and run. Yeah, in the end, this episode suffers a fate of a lot of these sorts of episodes where they short shrift the A plot to build up these extraneous plots so that it can be funny and cute. They don't devote enough time to the actual issue. And as a result, they really do what all uh, what special episodes end up doing near the end of their run, which is... They just take an issue, they throw a bunch of messages about that topic at their characters and hope that some sort of lesson gets soaked up by the viewers. Right. I'm glad we're doing this on the heels of having done Smoke and Ate Cool last week because that was 1979. This is 1994. So almost 20 years later, 15 years later, we've gone from... There's a kid in the family who's experimenting with a thing, and then the family doesn't like it, but they let her make her own decisions, and she ends up making the right decision. Mm. Two, and this is a thing we see a lot in the 90s in these very special episodes, we don't want the kids of the family to appear 
in any way unlikable, even for an episode. So we have to have a proxy character learn the lesson. So the main characters remain untainted by even an episode long experimentation. Like so much pork. Like so much untainted pork. Mm -hmm. So this made, this put me in mind of Urkel accidentally getting drunk. Yes. Carlton accidentally using drugs. So Laura and Will could learn the lessons. Now we have Kimmy getting drunk. At least she did it of her own volition. It wasn't tricked into it. So DJ could learn a lesson. And it just lessens. uh, Yeah. Lessens the whole thing. Well, it it just makes it diminishes the lesson that they're trying to teach. And it's a little bit, it's a little bit dismissive of your audience that your audience, that your, your main characters have to be so unblemished for the audience to identify with or like or root for them. They can't even experiment with things yeah, absolutely. for a single episode. What well, you run into the whole the whole issue with special episodes, which is the problems that they're discussing aren't going to be problems immediately. Mm-hmm. Like you are not going to have a single drink and then be groping around in the gutter looking for a You might fall of, off a roof though. You might fall <laughs> off a roof. Uh, but your life will definitely be it's just they they have to make a really big point within 30 minutes right. without progressing episodes or making lasting changes so yeah. you end up that this is the the formulaic blunder of the the sort of things that we discuss is they don't right. have time to make these issues make an impact but they have to prove that the issues are impactful I almost feel like, too, there's so much going on at this point in the 90s around teens drinking that mm. they were probably like, let's just throw this on the fire. It, it really there does. There are 15 other things this week going to be happening yeah. around this. You're not saying anything new. And yeah. what you are saying is sort of muddied between like, it don't really drink and is. drive. It's really like, <clears throat> don't drink and drive. Don't drink if you're nervous. Yeah. Don't, don't drunk put friends flounders need somebody in the to toaster. Mm. Well, I wish they had just made it a special episode about not making slurry tarts. I'm glad we did it because I like the contrast where it's like, okay, 15 years after Happy Days, yeah. we can't even have characters learning their own lessons anymore. Now we have yeah. to have these proxy characters doing that for, for sure. them. But also, so we could talk about Andrea Barber, who I'd like to also say one more thing. Good. When Fuller House came to Netflix, people were like, oh, Kimmy Gibbler must be so happy. She'd been doing nothing. Mm-hmm. But it just so happens that even though her... To quote the uh, Bustle article, though her IMDb page may be blank from 1995 to 2016, Barbara's life has been full of exciting adventures and opportunities. She... This already (laughs) sounds so patronizing. After Full House ended its eight-run season, she went to work for the United Nations. Holy fuck. And also got a master's degree in women's women's studies from the University of York in England. And she had two kids. So, you know, she was somewhat busy. She didn't have time for a TV movie? Yeah, apparently not. She didn't have time for like a small cameo role in a comedy? Are you looking at your IMDb page? No, I'm not. I'm I'm looking at IMDb, but not for that. Yeah. Uh, No, uh, that's ridiculous that... Of course, people are like, well, if you're not being If you're not the, on TV, then what What are you if doing? If you're not famous, yeah. what good could you possibly do the world? And she and Candace Cameron Burke, who plays DJ, have remained best friends the entire time. They were, they got, oh, they, you know, cool. she was 11 when she started working on Full House. That show ran for eight seasons. They grew up together, basically. They were best friends on TV, and they stayed best friends in real life. And now in Fuller House, they are still best friends. That's pretty great. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to do an update of, of what characters have been up to. The two uh, small demonic children who are in this episode. Uh, Dylan and Blake Tommy Willett. Yes. I remember their names from the credits. They're burned into my retinas. I don't know why they are burned into my retinas. I don't know either. Do you remember what the names of the kids are? 
No. Alex and Nikki mm. Katsopoulos. Of course. I just wanted to give an update on them since I've accused them of being of the devil. They're not. And they've gone on to successful uh, sound careers. They are mm. both uh, one more than the other. I think Dylan more than Blake. But they are both uh, professional Foley artists. Cool. It hey, is Miles. Cool. What do you think about that? <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, let me let me let me let me wipe my glasses off here. Did Michael Winslow from <laughs> Police Academy just walk in? It's got the bleeps, the sweeps, and the creeps. So, Chelsea, uh, what exactly did we learn in this episode? I don't know, man. I learned. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I learned here, except um, I guess that we don't. <laughs> I don't fuck. What did you learn? That if you got the dead mom card, you play that shit. <laughs> you play that shit. I'm surprised it's the first time I've seen it played. I would be playing it all the time. It'd Especially be like, in ninety shows where everyone's mom is dead. Yeah. And I would be like, hey Uncle Joey, what you made a disgusting breakfast treat after my mom died? <laughs> to be fair, card. everyone in this house could be playing well, at least three people in this house could be playing that what, card. Could be playing it against Joey. Did you learn something? I think that I learned that especially with our experience having watched the Family Matters Urkel getting drunk episode, mm-hmm. that in the 90s we were not good at talking about this for some reason, for some reason Boy. to kids, whether it, we're trying to be serious about it or not. It just seems like that everything that we tried to do, at least from a television standpoint, just seemed to be just laughable. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, next week we're going to be looking at an episode of Leave it to Beaver, which was done in the 50s and talks about alcoholism and just wait until you see how poorly they handle that. Yeah, I guess what I learned is that by the time we get to the 90s, kids aren't even learning their own lessons anymore. Yeah. They're farming them out to their best friends. Gig economy, am I right? Gig economy. Even learning. Lift, lift hugging and Uber learning. <laughs> who, who wants to hug, though? Who wants to get a hug? I don't, I'm not going to hug anybody. I'm going to get a task rabbit to hug somebody for me. <laughs> I want to hug Kimmy, god Me damn it. Me too. Because, you know, I bought into the whole, I drank the, the annoying Kool-Aid. Yeah, they, they like, set it up for you to character. have no other opinion of her. Absolutely. And you're often like, why is DJ hang out with this girl? She's they, so much cooler. Why does anybody hang out with any of the characters that they seem to fucking hate? Yeah. Rerun, Steve Urkel, etc. Yeah, and you have three grown men constantly being like, Kimmy, go home. You're not yeah. wanted here. And and Barbara has given interviews saying, you know, like you said, watching it now, she's like, oh, yeah, now I see it. Yeah. Three grown men. Three, I mean, they're dealing with the, re- the whole reason that they have this setup in this house is because Danny was like, my girls need a mother figure. Yeah. They don't have enough parental support. You guys move in and we'll help raise these girls. Here is a More person from next door yeah. who doesn't have parental support, who's constantly in your orbit. I want my child, my children to have as normal an upbringing as possible. But right. the second a best friend comes over, I'm going to literally spit in her fucking face. Right. A kid who clearly needs some parenting. Yeah. You know, well, let's make her feel as horrible as possible yeah. all of the time. It's like, dude, you really whiffed it on this one. Here's a person who needs your help. Yeah. Four words, Chelsea. Full of shit house. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning into this episode, which is definitely titled Full of Shit House. Nope. Nope. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
All right, Miles. Miles, pretend you're me saying "full of shit house." This is this is a quick, quick, quick call back. Oh, 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 oh! Yeah, they, you're on. You're thanks on. for having me back. Uh-huh, it's really absolutely. good to see you all. Could you go ahead. We're running a little late. Ray, I, I, I thank you for these uh, sides. By the way, again, we're excellent. running a little, a little behind. <laughs> excellent writing. I Do just you want to a bottle of water? Uh, no, I'm good. I had okay, a, a bunch of Red Bull before I came in. Let's just launch right into it. Okay, just launch right into it. That's right. Speed and. Um, Full of shit house. Okay, well, thank you very much for coming in. Hey, thanks um, so much. Yeah, Yay. it's great. I, again, we're running behind. We got a lot of people to see, so uh, thanks again. That's cool. I'll just wait out in the hallway and talk to you guys afterwards. No, 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 no. Go away. Security. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I'll be back for the next one. Clearly, <laughs> I'm a commodity. <laughs> Bring uh, snacks. Bye. Thank you for listening to Hugging and Learning. If you want to visit us online, our website is huggingandlearning.com, where you can find links to all the articles we talked about today, as well as our post office box where you can mail us snacks. Subscribe to our podcast, rate and review, and tell your friends about us. If you want to drop us a line, you can email us at huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail.com. You can tell us about the experiences you've had with things we talked about. Or you can send us suggestions on which episodes we should do next. Our podcast is produced by Miles Pulaski, who also wrote our theme music. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chelsea. See you next time. Bring snacks!